0: Welcome back to the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined again today by Matt Williamson. Matt, you enjoying your summer so far?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It seems like there's, from a football perspective, it seems like there's more downtime this year than usual. I mean, like free agency hit like a massive tidal wave and then the draft, and there really isn't a whole lot going on right now, even though OTAs are happening and, you know, you hear about an injury or two, Tyler Eifert, for example, but uh, it's been a little bit slower than usual.
0: Yeah, this is certainly the slow time in the league from after the draft, really, until training camps open up. We won't get a ton of news. This this just gives us dynasty owners a, a chance to focus on building our dynasty teams, making some moves on what we expect, based on what we expect to happen in 2016 and, and even 2017. So we've got a fun show today. We've taken some listener questions. Uh, we have a ton of them. I don't know if we'll get through them all today, but I hope to. Um, Some really good topics today that that we're going to jump right into.
1: Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And like you said, uh, it's more dynasty rookie draft season, and that seems to be kind of coming to a close too. Um, So there's always something to talk about, of course.
0: So our first question today comes from Bryce. And Bryce says, how tight and desperate would you have to be to break your own rule and take Henry at one05 uh, I'm assuming he's talking Hunter Henry there, the player that most of you is the top tight end in this rookie class. Bryce has the the fifth overall pick in his rookie draft. I would not consider taking Henry at all uh, in the first round, let alone with the fifth pick. If I own the fifth pick, uh, first of all, I'm probably taking one of those wide receivers. But if I really want a tight end, you can trade the the fifth pick for nearly any tight end in the league. So. You know, trade that for Jordan Reed. Trade it for Tyler Eifert. Trade it for uh, even Greg Olson, and and maybe get some some extra pieces back. I wouldn't consider Hunter Henry in the first round at all, would you, Matt?
1: No, not not at all. I mean, it's kind of an odd question to be honest with you. And, and along those lines, I really think Henry and Hooper are basically a coin flip too. I mean, I think Hooper's situation is better. Um, there's people out there that like him more as a prospect. You know, I, I know that's not what Bryce is asking here, but uh, I, I, unless there's some sort of rule in your league that is super tight end, you know, premium, or you know they're they're worth a heck of a lot more than every other position, uh, I can't see you using a top twelve pick for short sure on a tight end.
0: right. We've seen, Uh, I guess tight end premium leagues, whether it be additional PPR scoring, or I've seen some uh, two tight end leagues becoming more and more popular. But even in those formats, I wouldn't take Henry or or any rookie tight end this year in the first round. Uh, You know, not to mention, we've also seen tight ends just slow to acclimate to the NFL. Rookie tight ends rarely make an impact. So uh, again, that's just another reason to take that pick, use it either on another position or flip it for an established tight end if if that's your main need
1: on your team. Yeah, and you said it well, you know, that rookie tight ends rarely come in and make a big impact. I'm curious. I'm not sure if we've had this conversation on the air or not, but rarely do I use a dynasty rookie pick on a tight end to begin with. And uh, do you believe that the E-Brons, the ASJs, you know, the, the, the some of these younger tight ends that came in the league with a little bit of fanfare, Do their value lose usually after year one or does it sort of stay the same?
0: I mean, they they have to be viewed as losing value because those guys, and Eifert included, some people used, uh, you know, a top five rookie pick on those players. And other than Eifert, you know, there's no way you're, you're going to get a top five pick in return for ASJ or for Eric Ebron. So, you know, judging based on that, rookie draft pick value, they they've certainly lost value since they entered the league. And you see guys like Delaney Walker or, you know, even Antonio Gates, who just continues to hang around and, and put up fantasy points. When you can acquire guys like that for second or even third round rookie picks, it, it makes little sense to use an early pick or like you say, maybe maybe any rookie pick on a tight end.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're they're sort of roster cloggers for that first year. I mean, rarely are you going to draft a tight end, I mean, including Henry, including, you know, Hooper, probably. I mean, we're guessing. and feel comfortable starting him, though, you know, even you know, unless it's late in the season and he really shines, but that's rare.
0: Exactly. Let's move on to our next question, um, asking about some, some more young players. Paul says there's lots of second-year receivers that can be had for very little but will any of them step up in 2016? So I looked back at some of my rookie drafts from last year, and there were a ton of wide receivers that were being drafted in the first, the first round, or even the first round and a half, looking at maybe the top 18 picks or so. And a lot of those guys have gained value. Kevin White and Rashard Perriman are really interesting. Neither one of those guys played last year due to injury, but they've maintained their value. Uh, Kevin White, is a second or third round startup pick. Brashard Perriman's a fifth, sixth, seventh round startup pick, which is in the range of uh, their cost last year at this time. So um, those guys are not cheap. And, of course, you have Amari Cooper, Devonte Parker, and DGB, who have all seen their value increase as well. So I think some, I think the guys that uh, Paul might be talking about here, Nelson Aguilar, he was a mid-first round pick last year, struggled with the Eagles, Jalen Strong, Philip Dorsett, Devin Funchess, Sammy Coates, all of those guys had some struggles during their rookie, rookie year, which is to be expected. So looking at those guys, do you see any of them turning it around, establishing themselves uh, as, a, as a fantasy value?
1: Um, I just don't know how cheap they are. You know what I mean? Like, it's easy to say that you can go get Dorset on the cheap. I don't think you can get Sammy Coates on the cheap since the Martavis Bryant news. Um the two guys you mentioned that that certainly aren't cheap are Perryman, who is a little bit worrisome, but Kevin White, I, I look at Kevin White right now and think this might be the last chance you have to buy him. You know, I could see him being a monster this year. And I've I've heard good good things from people close to the organization. I, I, I'm urging people to at least kick the tires on white if you don't own them. See what you could do, but it might be too late. I like Dorsett. I like Dorsett a lot. I, I like Coats. I'm not sure that I like what it would cost me to get Coates. Uh, DGB is a guy that I think might be close to that white category that if you haven't bought him by now, you might not ever get a chance. You know, that if he has a big game in week one or two or something like that, that it's over. Um, the one that stands out, though, is Aguilar. Um, I didn't own him anywhere. I didn't love him coming out of USC. But his price has dropped so much that I think he's, you know, worth inquiring about. And in that offense, I think he could kind of, if everything goes well, he could be the Eagles slash Chiefs version of Jerry Macklin. I mean, that, that was the obvious comparison when he came out of school. And just because he had a rough year and a strange system and nothing went well for that offense, I don't think it's time to start, you know, digging this guy's grave yet.
0: So I think of, of the five guys that we saw as rookies who who did get to play but just didn't really make an impact, we're talking about Aguilar, Jalen Strong, Dorsett, Devin Funchess, and Sammy Coates. I feel like each of those guys have similar value. I think they're all going to cost you a second-round pick, in some cases maybe an early second-round
1: pick. I would do that and, in a second for Funchess.
0: Okay, I was going to say, if we if we assume that that's the case, they all have similar values. Jalen Strong may be a little bit cheaper than the others. Which one guy are you acquiring for an early second-round pick? Is it Funchess?
1: Yeah, by far. I mean, to me, the difference between Funchess and Strong is dramatic. You know, nothing's gone well for Strong since the season ended. Um, you could see him getting very buried on the depth chart. I was a fan of him before the offseason. Now I don't like his situation at all. I think Funches has a chance to be a star. I mean, I think he's going to be a wide receiver, too, as soon as this year. Um, to me, they're not close. I mean, I think Funchess is worth the 1-4, one, 1-5 one, area. I might rather have Funches than Sterling Shepard. Strong, I don't know that I would give up a random second-round pick for anymore. I don't think I would.
0: Yeah, I think Strong's clearly the least valuable of that group, though, you know, we've seen some – some positive reports on him uh, early on in in OTA. So, you know, maybe maybe there's some hope there. Do you
1: give up 111 for Dorsett? I would.
0: I would not. uh, I'm not really a Dorsett guy. I didn't didn't like him last year coming out. I thought he was overdrafted in the NFL draft, which in turn led to him being overdrafted in rookie drafts. I mean, he was a guy I was glad to take a shot on in the late second or early third. And then when, he, when the Colts took him in the first, his value blew up. So, no, I'm, I'm just not paying the price for him. Our next question comes from Aaron, and Aaron says, Dynasty teams are built through wide receiver. I know that's how we both like to build our teams, Matt. And, and he says, if that's the case, why, why is everyone so excited over the, the 2017 draft, which looks like it is running back heavy with uh, some solid quarterback
1: prospects as well? To me, and I'll be honest, I mean, and I've said this since we started, that I'm not on top of next year's draft that much, so I'm sort of deferring to the experts who are super excited about the 17 draft, the guys that play Devi, the the, the draft nicks of the community that are talking super highly about this. Um, I do obviously realize that the the group of running backs coming into the league most likely a year from now is loaded, and yeah, that isn't how you want to build your team. But if you can get you know, a, a running back one at 1-6 one next year, uh, that's a heck of a lot better than what you're getting at 1-6 this year. So, uh, and, and you know more people are going to emerge. I doubt there's going to be a shortage of wide receivers. I mean, that would absolutely surprise me from the little I know about this class. And the one thing he mentions, though, that I, I don't really agree with from what I understand so far is um, it, it seems like it's very light on quarterbacks, actually. You know, I mean, I, mean, I know people are – Excited about one or two of them, but uh, these next couple classes—that's that, one thing that people really in the know of the draft were saying about the Eagles was they—they they went up and they got Wentz because there really isn't going to be much to pick from these next two years or so.
0: Right. Well, as far as quarterbacks go, we do have Deshaun Watson. He's sure he's the favorite to be the the top overall pick in next year's draft. You know, he'll he'll be a highest value quarterback, rookie quarterback in dynasty drafts as well, probably an early second-round pick would be uh, my guess at this point.
1: A uh, fantasy friendly guy, too. I mean, he's going to run, and, you know, he's not just a pocket passer.
0: Right, right. Uh, after that, you have Brad Kaya, the Miami quarterback. There's, you know, certainly some, some flaws in his game. He's not a can't-miss guy, but most people have pegged him as the uh, likely quarterback, two in that class. And then after that, you've got – a a pretty large group, five or six guys who could be, they could be first round NFL draft picks, but even, you know, even if they are, they're still likely late second or or early third round rookie picks. So to me, this question is really about the running backs. And, and I think, uh, I think Aaron has, you know, makes a good point. If we are so wide receiver hungry and, and love building around those wide receivers, why do we care so much about this strong group of running backs? And my answer is, you know, I build my teams around wide receivers in the startup draft in uh, trades that I am looking to make. But then when it comes to rookie drafts, that's where I'm getting my my running backs Uh, because I'm not going to pay the price for Todd Gurley. I'm not going to pay the trade price or even the startup price for Le'Veon Bell or some of these guys. Instead, I'm going, I'm going with wide receivers. So when I have a chance with a first-round rookie pick, to grab a guy like Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette or Nick Chubb, you know, I'm, I'm taking that, and, and now I've got my starting running back as well.
1: Yeah, and, and in this past draft, I, end, I didn't have a lot of picks, as people know, but I ended up with Howard. I ended up with Jonathan Williams. I ended up with Perkins. You know, th- those are the type of guys that ended up adding to my teams, and from what I know of these guys, I'd much rather have Nick Chubb or, you know, the, the running backs you mentioned than those guys.
0: Yeah, and we've seen guys like that, those second and third round uh, rookie picks turn into uh, fantasy starters. You know, just last yeah. year, Jeremy Langford and Thomas Rawls and uh, David Johnson, there there were a large number of those guys. So, yeah, when you're in your rookie draft, take a shot on running backs. Uh, if one or two pan out, then then you're in good shape if you've stocked up on wide receivers. And then to Aaron's other point, there are still four really high-level wide receivers in this class. So Juju Smith Schuster, Malachi Dupree, Mike Williams, and Corey Davis are all viewed as pretty high-level prospects, both NFL and Dynasty prospects. So there's, you know, there's a third of your first-round rookie picks, at least on the wide receiver position. So it's it's not a down year
1: for wide receiver in 2017 either. And I bet two more names pop up that nobody even knows at receiver.
0: Exactly, exactly. That that always happens. Our next question is from Tim. He uh, is asking about a specific player. He wants to know our opinion on the value of Jarvis Landry when it comes to 2016 draft picks. And are we expecting a regression in Landry's receptions?
1: I'm not. I have... We haven't talked about this much, but I have very high hopes for the Dolphins offense. And a lot of it is because of Adam Gase. I mean, I I think his track record is proven. Uh, I think Tannehill is somebody to invest in now. Um, Clearly, I don't know if it's ownership or whatever, but the team philosophy is let's put everything around Ryan Tannehill we possibly can right now. Um, you know, they used a late pick on a tight end. They they got an extra receiver in Carew that people didn't expect. You know, they ended up with Tunsil. You know, they're rebuilding an offensive line. Uh, sure, they're light at running back, but clearly they are using resources on that side of the ball to make Tannehill's life easier. And I think with a combination of Gase, that if it's ever going to happen for Miami's offense, it's now. And Landry's the guy I trust the most. You know, I mean, I, he, clearly he's that safety blanket, um, what would you pay for him in 16 picks? I would start 1-3-ish. You know, I mean, I, I think I'd rather have Treadwell. I know I'd rather have Zeke, but I can't say that I'd rather have Doxon or Coleman than him. And that sounds expensive, but he's proven, especially in a PPR league, he's a very good football player.
0: Yeah, I agree with with most of that. I think 1.03 is, is where the value starts or, or where the, the top starts if you're – yeah. making to trade for Landry. Um, I agree. He's he's pretty close with Coleman for me, but I, I do think I would still prefer Landry. I, I think it's fair to expect a, a little bit of a drop in his uh, receptions and in his targets. He had 110 catches last year, uh, obviously was the key focus of that offense. Rashard Matthews surprised some people. He's gone now. Um, of course, Devontae Parker didn't play much last year. People are expecting big things out of him, so it's fair to expect Parker and, and maybe even Leontay Carew to steal some looks from Landry, but I still think he's going to be a high-level performer. I think he's you know a consistent guy, reliable guy, and, and I am I agree. I'm pretty excited about the, the Miami offense as well.
1: Yeah, it's another one of those situations. I feel like now's the time to get in on them, you know, if you're going to... Make a deal with somebody. Hey, throw in Ryan Tannehill, or you know, I mean, I think now's the time to do it because their defense also isn't very good. They're going to have a lot of shootouts on their hand, in my opinion.
0: So, you consider Tannehill a buy in dynasty leagues? Then
1: I do. I do. I've been kicking the tires on him quite a bit. He runs as well. You know, it's easy to forget that Uh, people are super down on him. You know, I I did that list that was not fantasy related. You know, where he ranked the top twenty quarterbacks, and I put him at twenty, and I actually said, you know. Uh, he maybe he's really 22, but I just wanted to write something up on him. But people hate him. You know, like uh, my response to that, uh, the response I got to that list was, how could you possibly put, you know, Tannehill at 20? Uh, that's not that high of praise. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, people are down on this guy heavily. And I think now's the time to pounce.
0: All right. Our next question comes from John, another player-specific question. He's got a trade. He's working. Dante Moncrief and the 2.03 pick or two first-round picks. He gets the 1.05 and the 1.11 in this year's draft, and he also mentions he's expecting Josh Dotson to be available at the fifth pick. So a lot of times you'll see uh, Derek Henry go at five or uh, Sterling Shepard, Michael Thomas. In this case, he thinks Dotson will be there. For me, I'm I'm on the Moncrief side here. I don't see a big difference between the 1.11 and the 2.03 in a 12-team league. I'm viewing this as basically Moncrief versus Dotson, and I want Moncrief
1: there. Me too. I mean, looking at this on the surface without knowing who's going to be there, you know, if you were to do this trade before the rookie draft ever started, Moncrief for one five to me is an easy decision. That I definitely want Moncrief over one five. The fact that Dotson is there gives me a slightest bit of pause, you know, because generally he doesn't last to one five. But I still want Moncrief over him, and I'm very much with you that one eleven 11 and 2-3 are almost the same thing.
0: Blake asks, what's the ideal roster size per team? I think this depends on how many teams are in the league, first of all. So if we're assuming it's 12, I want at least 25 players on my roster, and, and I would love to have 30. Uh, he Blake mentions in his league, they have twenty two on their active roster and an eight player taxi squad. So so they're at that thirty mark. You know a lot of people like fewer roster spots to keep the waiver wire active and and have some good options there. Uh, that's That's kind of lazy fantasy in my opinion. Yeah, I um, you know, I, I think it's the waiver wire is very important. You can find uh, quality players there that can help your team. But I'm not going to rely on the waiver wire to to build my team or to win games. So, as far as roster size goes, in almost any format, it's it's the bigger the better for me.
1: Yeah, I agree with that too. You know, I've never been in one of these gigantic ones that have tons and tons of spaces. A lot of those are IDP leagues too. Yeah, I, I don't like having good players out there on free agency that people can just pick up randomly, and because I just don't have enough space to put them on my roster. I mean, that always bothers me. Yeah, so I, I think I'm very much with you here, to be honest, that, that these small rosters I'm not a fan of. And the one thing he mentions, too, on defenses and kickers, I don't think it matters if it's dynasty or redraft or whatever. I, I'm all for no kickers, period. To me, that's just a huge luck position.
0: Right. Blake Blake had this uh, follow-up question that Matt's referencing, what are our feelings on defense and kickers in a dynasty league? You know, to me – a big appeal of fantasy football is, is just the fun aspect. You know, it's, it's fun following these players that we know a lot about and they're making uh, exciting plays every week and kickers are just not fun. Right. there's, There's nothing fun about that. It's not, you know, even if it's a long field goal or a game winning extra point or, or, you know, something like that, it's still, that's still not something that really, gets me going in, in dynasty football. So I don't want defenses. I don't want kickers in fantasy football at all. If you're um, a fan of uh, defensive players, then then I would strongly recommend IDP leagues. I think, you know, they're not for me, but I, I think they definitely have their merit in dynasty. But as far as team defense, I would, I would just rather do without it.
1: Yeah, I, I feel – I think kickers are makes no sense to me. I wish whoever came up with that idea a million years ago didn't. And to me, you lose a game here and there because the guy you're playing has a good kicker, and it's like, uh, this is dumb. You know, it drives me crazy. I think it's one of the flaws in the in the, the hobby right now. Defense, I feel a little bit different about. I mean, I've always been very successful with defenses, and I never pick them high and, you know, redraft or whatever. And I feel like I know more than the average bear, and I'm able to dig some up. And in Dynasty, these last couple of years, there's been two or three times that I've had a really good defense, and I've actually traded them for something. Like, late last year, I traded the Broncos defense, and I got Julius Thomas straight up for him. I was like, okay, you know, I mean, I'll trade a defense for anything, even as good as Denver was. And so I think that adds a little bit of something to it, you know, that you can use some skills there on with grabbing defenses. But doesn't it make you absolutely crazy if you have – you have the Denver defense, and Peyton Manning is their quarterback, and he throws a pick six, and that hurts your points. I mean, that's so dumb. <laughs> you know, like the defense didn't do anything wrong.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the flaws of right, you know, of even using defenses in fantasy at all,
1: or a kickoff return for a touchdown, or you know, things that your defense didn't do wrong. It's not like Von Miller got beat.
0: Our next question is about one of the hottest names in dynasty football. That's Ezekiel Elliott, the new running back of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, And before I get to the question, I want to uh, just talk a little bit about his value. So in late April, we saw, of course, Elliott drafted fourth overall to the Cowboys. We knew immediately the implications of that as far as what it would do to his dynasty value. As I've talked about on here before, I run the mock drafts for dynasty league football. We do six mock drafts every month, and the purpose of those is to find player ADP. So after he was drafted to Dallas in our May mocks, Elliott's, uh Elliot's ADP was as a mid-second rounder, which I think is pretty reasonable. Now as over the past few weeks, as that hype has, has built a little bit more, we've started our June mock drafts. Elliott's ADP is now 9.7. So' he's, he's a first rounder in dynasty startup drafts. We do six drafts, as I mentioned. He went in the first round of half of those. In one of those, he went first overall. He was the first player taken over Beckham, over Brown, over Hopkins, et cetera. So the hype is really, uh, you know, just off the rails now.
1: So real quick, but he's going between the ninth and 10th pick, you know, in startups now. So that's ahead, I'm assuming, of Sammy Watkins, um, A.J. Green, Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, am I right on that?
0: Yeah, you're, you're right on all I, those, so I'll just I can condone that. quickly run down the order. We've got Beckham, Brown, Hopkins, Julio, Robinson. Uh, those are the top five. Mike Evans came up a little bit this month. He's up to our sixth overall player, Amari Cooper, Todd Gurley, and then Elliott as the ninth player. So some key names he's being drafted ahead of, Gronkowski, Le'Veon Bell, Green, Dez, Sammy Watkins, Jeffrey, Keenan Allen, uh, so he's jumped all those guys over the past month. So our question is: In a startup draft, is it crazy to take Ezekiel Elliott at one point oh three? So based on what we're saying here, you know, it's it's being done. He went first overall in a mock. Maybe, you know, maybe that wouldn't be the actual pick of of that individual, but maybe. Maybe it would. Maybe that's how he feels, and and he values Elliott over every other player. Um, as far as third overall, I'm not taking any running back third overall. I'm probably not taking any running back in the first round at all. Again, that just goes back to how I build my teams. That I prefer uh, wide receivers with uh, who who generally generally have a longer shelf life, longer career, less injuries. So I'm not taking Elliott at three overall, and probably not taking him in the first round at all. What about you, Matt?
1: Yeah, that's well said. I mean, in redraft, if somebody went to the board and took him at the first overall pick, I wouldn't crush them for it. So that just shows. I mean, I'm an Elliott believer. I'm an Elliott fan. Um, In Dynasty, I prefer him to Le'Veon Bell, mostly because I'm worried about Bell's injuries and whatnot. And really, he's in a better situation than Gurley, I don't think he's as talented, and clearly we haven't seen him with pads on yet, but I think that's a coin flip. You know, if, if you get one of those two, Elliott or Gurley, uh, i probably take Gurley, but not by leaps and bounds. I think that's close. But you're right. I mean, it's, it just goes back to philosophy. If I'm in a startup, though, I, I'd definitely take Alshon Jeffrey or Watkins or A.J. Green, you know, you know definitely over any running back. Uh, and if I was in a startup, I'm not even sure what round – I'd be willing to start taking running backs. I mean, I probably would have a receiver in the first 3 rounds before I even considered anybody else.
0: Yeah, so each month I, I participate in all 6 uh, of these mock drafts and routinely I will my first 5 picks will be wide receivers. That's
1: 5 of them. Know, wow. Okay.
0: There's nothing Nothing uncommon about that for, for my teams at all.
1: And I think the follow-up question to that that people probably want to know then is, okay, if you take a receiver in first five rounds of startup, who's that running back you get in the sixth round then? You know, like, who's the, who's the guy?
0: Well, I mean, you're still looking at, you know, if you want to focus on the, the younger guys, Duke Johnson is there. The, is
1: Duke Johnson one of them, yeah. Okay. Yes, sixth, seventh, eighth like, round, Derrick Henry. Hyde's gone, I imagine, right?
0: Hyde is usually gone, but – you know even Henry's teammate uh, DeMarco Murray is an option there mm-hmm. at that range um oh uh, I, I mean you know when you're when you're only starting one running back there's plenty of plenty of choices even if i wait till the 12th round to get Danny Woodhead we've talked about him quite a bit on the show um
1: is Gio Bernard a fifth sixth round pick
0: yeah usually later Bernard okay. and Bernard and Hill are both in that range as well
1: and that'd be so, fine if that's your best yeah. running back i can live with that
0: It's pretty easy to to go with five or six wide receivers in a row and then start to focus on the other positions.
1: I know we have some people that listen at that that actually don't play dynasty, but that was one thing that shocked me was when I got into dynasty from redraft. A lot of these formats, you can start one running back and up to like five or six receivers sometimes, you know, or you do the other way around too. You can start five running backs if you have them. But to me, that was a, a nice perk and certainly noteworthy in terms of roster building.
0: So our next question kind of goes along with this. Mike wants to know how would you alter your startup strategy in a typical twelve team draft if you're now playing
1: in a twenty-four team league? Have you ever done something like that? I've never been in a league greater than twelve.
0: Um, I've done some I've done some redraft leagues that were I believe they were thirty team leagues. I, I can't remember, but it, it was at least twenty-four. And you know, they're they're tough. Your your team looks Looks really. good. Oh, you're with
1: some guys that don't get the ball very much. I bet. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, my first thoughts are: Who's my tight end and who's my quarterback? Or back? Or who's my backup quarterback? You know, if you take a quarter, you know, quarterbacks going off the board, and you take the 18th quarterback off the board, who's his backup? <laughs> I mean, and you know, think about who's the 24th best tight end in fantasy right now. Yeah, he might not catch a ball for three weeks.
0: Leagues like that, the lar- I mean, the larger the league the greater value the running backs have uh, quarterbacks have and the tight ends. So really all three of those positions gain a little value on the wide receiver. And and some people like that. As far as my startup strategy, you have to go, you have to go with a running back earlier than you typically would same for a quarterback. Uh, Some of these leagues, 24 team leagues, 32 team leagues, they actually limit each team to just one quarterback. Wow. So uh, in that way, you're sure to get a starting quarterback.
1: Um, oh, okay, okay. here's a question about that. Okay, say I have Andrew Luck and he's on his bye, do I do I have to cut him to pick somebody up to start a quarterback? Does he become you know a free agent?
0: No, I mean I think I think leagues like this still have, you know, a, a typical right. yeah right. they still have a typical bench. What you may have to do though is is take a zero that week. I think that would be yeah. pretty common that you know, you just you wouldn't have a quarterback to start, and if you want to pick up, um, you know, Tony Romo's backup or you know Josh McCown or somebody like that, and just hope they see some action that week, you know, maybe that's a strategy. But I'd say pretty often you're seeing
1: some zeros in your lineups. Can't say I'd love that. I mean, like usually you would think the bigger the league, the bigger the rosters, the more skill it takes as an owner. But some of that gets a little ridiculous to me too.
0: Right. And, and a next, our next question here is from Dave, and it's, again, uh, of a similar topic. He wants to know, is there an optimal amount of teams for a league? So I would say 24 is certainly not optimal. Uh, it's an option, but um, to me, you know, it's it's just 12. Mm-hmm. I, right. I played in 14, and I played in 16 team leagues. I actually just finished a redraft league that's a survivor league which basically similar to the M- mfl 10s you draft the team and and that's it there's no waivers no trading no lineups and we had 18 teams in that league and it was it was a major challenge and like uh, every team has um, some pretty big holes and, and gaps in their
1: starting lineup as of now and then those weeks where there's six teams on bye, and your top running backs hurt and your tight ends hurt I mean, you're starting some bums.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, that that goes back to the the fun aspect of fantasy football. If I'm starting guys that I hadn't heard of two weeks ago, that's just not that fun to me. I I know some some people would enjoy that challenge and appreciate that, and and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But to me, I'm sticking with 12 or or maybe 14
1: teams in a league. And, And then there's the opposite side of it too. Like every league I've ever been in has had 12 guys. But my son, he's nine years old was in his first fantasy league this past year, and it was a 10-team league, and, of course, I helped him. And it was like, there's all these great players out there on the on free agency, You know, not to mention he's playing against other nine-year-olds that don't know what they're doing. But, I mean, I helped him, and I didn't help him that much, and he ran away with the point total because there's just so much to pick from. You know, I mean, if you're at all active in free agency in those small leagues, you're getting quality and quality. I mean, injuries don't even hurt you. Yeah,
0: and again that that may not be fun either. If you see
1: Right, I didn't think it was, right.
0: You know, if you see top 10 quarterbacks on the waiver wire, you know, Kirk Cousins is is still on the waiver wire just because you know there's there's seemingly better options on rosters. Eh, that's I don't know. I don't know how much fun that is.
1: Yeah, I and mean, I think like Thomas Rawls was on uh, on the free agency pool by week 4 or 5. It's like what are we doing here?
0: All right. Let's move on to our next question. Uh, it's about Martavis Bryant. I know you've done a couple of pieces about him lately. They uh, they just want to know what is what's
1: his current value. I and don't know. It, I'm curious what you think.
0: Well, I don't know either. It's it's really tough to value him. You know, especially with the Josh Gordon situation. And I've seen Bryant. people say, you know, you can't. You know, it's apples and oranges comparing these two players. And I understand that.
1: I would much rather Bryant than Gordon, though right the second? Um, I think I
0: would probably rather have Gordon um, for a couple of reasons. One, he at least has a chance to come back sooner. I, I don't really... This year, buy, I mean, right. Right. I don't buy this... Um, is it August 1st, I think? I don't I don't really buy that, that like all of a sudden over the next few weeks he's going to prove that he's a changed man and, and the commissioner is going to change his mind. I, I don't know that that happens, but there is at least... Uh, there, the opportunity for that. We know Bryant is going to miss the entire next season. So, uh, and, and then I also think Gordon just has a higher ceiling. You know, he's shown us overall wide receiver one ability, and uh, I, I don't think Bryant has that in him as talented as he is. I did recently hear our buddy Evan Silva say he thinks Bryant basically has no value, and, and that's coming mm-hmm. from Evan who once traded the 1.01 rookie pick for, for Bryant. So he's, he's changed his tune on him, on Martavis, as
1: as have a lot of people. Evan just doesn't think he's ever going to play again, I imagine. He
0: didn't elaborate, but I think that's the fear a lot of people have.
1: I mean, I think that's the only concern, obviously. Right. This right.
0: Is, you know, this is a guy who's had multiple uh, drug-related issues, and, and you know, he's already had two suspensions in and, and just a, a short career. So, yeah, I think, you know, to
1: me his value is – almost nil but if you own them and i offered you three five for them you wouldn't take it
0: no i wouldn't part of that goes to that you know to the current rookie class i would take a 2017 second rounder that's okay. that's probably what it would take there's also this this question along with the martavis bryant question is who's the best buyer for martavis a, a rebuilder or a deep contender and to me, it's it's a rebuilder. You know, if you're if you're building towards 2017 or even 2018, you're targeting that. You know, then maybe Bryant does overcome this. He comes back and and he's, he's a starting young. wide receiver again.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, if you're a contender, most leagues have an IR spot, but most leagues don't allow you to put a suspended guy in IR. I mean, well, some do, I guess. I guess it depends where your league is. So. Uh, you know, let's, let's put it this way. In a lot of leagues, if you own Martavis Bryant, he's just going to sit on your roster and eat up a roster spot for the entire year and you'll get zero points from him. And that's awfully hard if you're a contender.
0: Yeah, it's just tough to sell Bryant. It's tough to sell Gordon. You know, people are just really coming around to the the chance that these guys may never make an impact in the NFL again.
1: And there's a lot of receivers out there, too.
0: Well, well, that's that's the yeah, argument. Right down, that's the argument against Brian, I think, and the argument for Gordon. You know, if they're both playing and they they have both, you know, gotten over these these off field issues, like I said, Gordon has wide receiver one overall upside, and Brian's in that second or third tier with a dozen other guys like Dante Moncrief and Kevin White and some of these other guys we've mentioned. So, you know, to me, I'm it, it's pretty easily Gordon that I'm taking a shot on.
1: See, I when I think of these two players, you know, off the field aside, when I think about what we saw from them last on the field, Gordon wasn't playing well. You know, I mean, I, I think that often gets overlooked when you talk when when people talk about Josh Gordon was when he was in uniform that last time around, and I forget how many games he was. He didn't look good. He looked sluggish. He looked like he was out of shape or disinterested. You know, on a terrible team with the bad quarterback throwing to him. Where the last time we saw Martavis Bryant, he was catching the ball between his legs, doing a somersault in midair and coming down with his feet and bounds, you know catching the ball from Ben Roethlisberger.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's very fair. And, you know, it's, it's been a long time since we saw Gordon with that elite 2013 season.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, you're right, you're right. You know, I mean, he's done something that neither one has. I mean, he was a stud.
0: Right. In reality, I'm I'm avoiding both of these guys. I, if I own them already, I don't know that I'm selling because I, I don't see any reason to, you know, to take scraps like you know sure. a mid third round pick, like you said. I, I'm probably just hanging on to them. But if somebody comes knocking with a, a second round pick for either
1: guy, then then I'm taking that. Right. Like I'd rather have Martavis Bryan or Josh Gordon than Tyler Higby.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right, so our next question is uh, another trade question, and I'm going to let you start off on this one because I know you recently made a trade involving this player. Lance wants to know what's the value of Tyler Lockett in a PPR draft, and he mentions maybe a mid-first-round pick as as a starting point. I believe I just saw a trade uh, that you made involving Lockett. Is that correct?
1: It is, and I'd have to find it, but basically I think I gave up. And this is a team I'm very loaded at. Um, I had four 17 first-round picks, which is awfully nice. And I think I gave up my 17th first-round pick, which I expect to be very late, and a run-of-the-mill seventeen second for Lockett. Um, and that was after I had made some moves at receiver. I had traded A.J. Green. I had traded Des Bryant and got a slew of young, th- you know, young guys. And I wanted one more young piece at receiver. I'm a big Lockett fan. Uh, And generally, if anyone knows, I mean, I'm not parting with 17 first very readily at all, but I had four of them. Um, So I basically gave up a a late 17 first and a mid 17 second, hopefully um, for Lockett. But in terms of this rookie class, I'd rather have him than Coleman. I mean, I think I'd rather have Treadwell, but I think to me, he's worth the one three and that's probably higher than most people think. But Boy, I liked what I saw. And I think Wilson liked what he saw. And I, I, I don't, he's not going away anytime soon. And I don't believe in Doug Baldwin all that much. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a very, very good player that is going to be a focal point of the Seahawks offense.
0: Yeah, I think Lance, uh, based on his question, is probably asking about Lockett's value in relation to this draft class. And it sounds like you're a little higher on him than I am. Uh, I do prefer Corey Coleman. But after that, I think it's Lockett. I, I'd take Lockett over Josh Dotson. So I'm I'm yeah. probably looking at at one four for Lockett um, to answer Lance's question. As far as your trade, um, you know, uh, you you've mentioned that term before. I think that might be Iron Price. Is that yeah? Is that the term? I've I've been catching up on Game of Thrones. Oh, now,
1: you're gonna like it. Don't do it. The, to uh, any characters.
0: Oh, that's that's what I've heard. So <laughs> my. Uh, my school year is over. I've got the next uh, six or eight weeks to relax and I'm going to catch up on some Game of Thrones. But I, I think that was iron price for Lockett um, as yeah, far yeah. as a future first and second. Uh, but yeah, you know, that, that goes back Kelsey's
1: to listening drives a hard bargain and you know, that, I was grinding to get him away from him.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, well, sometimes, sometimes that's what it takes and, and, You know, we talk about ADP and market value and and all those things, but sometimes that doesn't really matter. You know, you want a guy and you pay the price that it takes to get him, even if you're, you know, overpaying, according to most people.
1: Right. And if my team was junk, I probably wouldn't do that. You know, I mean, uh, many of these deals, and that's what Twitter sometimes doesn't understand, and there's just not enough characters for, that when I post a trade, it makes more sense whenever you understand the team, too.
0: So our next question comes from my buddy Dynasty Frank. If you're not following him on Twitter, make sure you uh, fix that very quickly. He'll keep you entertained with some of his rants. So Frank says, is there a better way to award the 1.01 rookie pick other than just strictly record? And he, he mentions the idea of, of trying to curb tanking or or avoid tanking. I guess my first response would be, if you're in a league with owners that are tanking or you are worried that they might tank, then they probably don't need to be in the league anymore. Right. I mean, or, maybe, or maybe exactly. you don't need to be in that league anymore. That that would be my first answer. I don't know that there's a foolproof way to to make sure people don't tank. In most of my leagues, I have a one-strike-and-you're-out policy. If If you're obviously tanking, if you're starting players that are – injured or on on their bye week you know that's that's tanking and you're you're not going right. to be in the league much longer
1: and um, there's a better way to tank than that I mean I'm not condoning tanking but I mean it, to play somebody on your bye week I mean you're just screaming for people to bust you on it too and and not that I would do it I mean very honestly but that's just dumb my favorite tanking story ever everyone knows I'm from Pittsburgh my favorite athlete of all time is Mario Lemieux. And when he was coming out of uh, the juniors, it was between the Penguins and the Devils who were going to have the first pick overall in the draft that year. So my Penguins, it doesn't get talked about now because they drafted Lemieux and he went on the win cups and he's been great. But that last couple weeks of the season, they called up this terrible backup goalie from the minors and started him every week. It was every game. It was great. So they ended up with Lemieux. Yeah, I mean,
0: it, it is interesting because as much as we hate tanking in in dynasty leagues, we do. We basically see it in. I'm not a big hockey fan, but we see it
1: in the NHL. We we see it in the NBA. And there's a lottery in the NBA, though, right? I think there is in the NHL now too, actually.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lottery, but you know, the, the worst record you have, the more
1: ping pong chances, balls you the more yeah. ping
0: pong balls you have. So so the better chance you
1: have at that top pick. And And you do more fantasy stuff than NFL, but I get asked this a hundred times a year by like week 14 or so. Hey, should my Titans just try to lose the rest of the game so they can get Mariota or, you know what I mean? Like, you know, suck for luck.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think, I think fans are clearly rooting for their team to lose at some point. Browns fans are probably already rooting for their team to lose so they can get uh, Deshaun Watson or, or whoever the pick is next season. Um, as far as possible answers to, to Frank's question, I've seen some leagues use potential points to determine their draft order. So that's an option on my fantasy league is your your points in the standings are based on your potential points. So if you bench Tom Brady and you start uh, Alex Smith and Brady outscores Smith by 10 points – then that's going into your potential points to help determine the hmm. the order of standings. That, cool. that makes you know that makes it pretty tough to tank. Um, and then the other thing is, is just to use victory points. That's what we use in the kitchen sink leagues. And that's from what I understand about hockey. I think it's similar to hockey. But basically, you get some points for victories. You get some points for uh, how you score in uh, in the rank of the teams that week. So if you're one of the top scorers, you get the most possible points. If you're in the middle, you get, I think, one point. And if you're at the end, you get zero points. So uh, victory points would be another option that could possibly uh,
1: end tanking. The one, one league we're in, I think, does a really good job. And there's a dozen teams in the league. The top six go to the playoffs, and they obviously have their tournament to see who wins it all. The bottom six have their tournament, though. So – and if you win that tournament, you know, those bottom six teams, they have their own, you know, bracket. And whoever wins the bracket, scores the most points, wins the most games, gets 1-1. One, one. Which I think that's a good idea, but sometimes it's a little too rich. You know, like the one year, I had a really good team, and just by luck, I, bare, I didn't make the playoffs. You know, I was the seventh seed. So then I ended up with the first overall pick, too. You know, where meanwhile, there's a team in the league that was dreadful that really needed it. Yeah, I've
0: seen that rule quite a bit as well. And uh, for the, for that same reason that you just mentioned, I I would not be in favor of that. You know, there's there's got to be, there are some teams that are le- just legitimately bad and they need that infusion of talent. You know, they need that Todd Gurley or Amari Cooper or right. Ezekiel Elliott just to be able to field a competitive team and, and to get back in contention. So if they're always picking in the middle of the first round, you know, they're going to hit on some players most likely, but it's just even more of a challenge. So I've seen that, but, but I don't really like that option. And,
1: and then the other thing that happened too, is there was one year I missed the playoffs and had a good team and I won the tournament, but I had traded my first round pick to one of the good teams. So I've won like Gurley or Elliot for one of the good teams. I didn't even get to use it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, That's part of the price you pay for dealing your picks, but exactly. That's always a risk.
0: Uh, our next question comes from Russ and Russ says, what's the best strategy for a rebuild? He mentioned some of his players. He has Cam Newton, Mike Evans, and Rob Gronkowski, but not much else. So um, I know you have been forced to rebuild some teams as you've taken over teams.
1: What's, what's been your strategy with that? So if you have three big assets like that and nothing else in, in, you're going to win games though. You know, you're going to start those guys every week. You might beat good teams and I'm not saying you want to tank it, but it's hard to rebuild if you're not picking early or you have a premium draft picks or whatnot. I think if that's truly the case that you have those three guys and nothing else, I would certainly field offers for all of them. And if you could turn those three guys into a bevy of great picks, you'll be fine. You'll have a down year or two. But then you will build a dynasty. You know, I mean, that's what we're here for. I mean, you're not here to win it in one year. Um, and of those three, Evans would be the one that I'd have the hardest time getting rid of. I mean, he entered the league as a very, very young guy. I think he's going to catch a million touchdowns in his career. If you could deal Newton or Gronk, and you can, you just can't take, you know, you can't get hammered on the deal, though. But, I mean, somebody's going to take them off your hands, especially Gronk, that you strongly have to consider it.
0: So I guess my strategy when rebuilding a team is pretty similar to my strategy just from a startup point of view is I want to build around that wide receiver position. Uh, I want to load up on as many young wide receivers as I can. I think it's fairly easy to find starting quarterbacks and starting tight ends. So I'm going to spend all of my assets and all of my attention on that wide receiver position. Once I have built that up to... uh, the level being a contender. Then I'm going to start focusing on quarterback and tight end. I don't expect that to, to be a long process. I think you can fill those positions pretty quickly, uh, maybe even just with one or two trades. And then now it's time to focus on running backs. And, and I'm not spending much on running backs. I'm, I'm spending a rookie pick, first or second round rookie pick. I'm trading some spare parts for the veteran backs that are startable but may not have that, you know, that appeal to others. You know, give me Frank Gore, and we've already mentioned Woodhead. Give me those, Give me three or four of those guys, and I think I can contend with that.
1: There's some out there that would say, go get Luck or Newton, and you're set a quarterback for a million years, and, you know, you, you can fill in all the rest, and that's not the way to do it. This is not the NFL.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, I think that's, that's fine. I, I understand that, that if you have those guys that they're going to start – you know, hopefully for five or six years, but you know, again, I'm spending my, my capital and, and my resources on that wide receiver position. And then give me, you know, give me Joe Flacco or give me Kirk cousins and Rivers, Lady or Walker. Or,
1: yeah. right.
0: it, you know, all those guys can be had for second round picks and then I'm ready to contend with, with five or six or seven top 20 wide receivers.
1: Or, or like you kind of said earlier, I mean, you might pick up Cousins or Tyrod Taylor off the waiver wire.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, our last question today comes from Charles, and uh, he says he is loaded up on 2017 first-rounders just like you are and just like we've recommended everyone to do. Go out and get those 17 picks if you can. He says he wants to know how we rank the top 10 draft picks for 2017.
1: This is all you. Or, okay. Well, I, love I,
0: I actually just wrote a piece for DLF oh, that nice. is a first round mock draft for 2017. So this is a year out. I do this every year. Usually hit on about half of those picks. Um, you know, just like just like 2017 NFL mock drafts. It's it's an uh, in, inexact science and, and tough to predict what some of these players will do. But I'll uh, I'll. Run I, I got
1: one question for you before you say that. Sure. Who was the number – if you did this one year ago, was Treadwell the one?
0: Yes, Treadwell was the one for me. Okay. Okay. Uh, Elliot was, was the second pick. So the top ten that, that I had from the 2017 mock draft were uh, Leonard Fournette at 1.01, of course the LSU running back, Juju Smith at 1.02, Nick Chubb 1.03, Dalvin Cook at 4, Mike Williams at 5, Corey Davis at 6. So after those six guys, I see a little bit of a drop off, um, and even in those top six, there's there's some uncertainty. You know, Nick Chubb had this this terrible knee injury. Mike Williams had the neck injury. We're you know we're just not sure how those guys are going to to play in, in 2016. So uh, the talent is there, the the hype is there, and we'll see if they can can come back strong from their injuries. Uh, The next guy I had is the LSU receiver, Malachi Dupree, Christian McCaffrey at eight. And then we see another, another teardrop, another drop in value. I took a shot on a couple of running backs at nine and 10 Royce Freeman, the running back from Oregon, Oregon always seems to churn out these, these talented runners. And uh, sometimes they have, have a tough transition making it in the NFL, but Freeman I think is, is a little bit different than than some of their past running backs. So uh, I had him at the nine spot and then Bo Scarborough at ten. He's the Alabama running back who's expected to to take over now that Henry is gone.
1: The thing I took out of that was Christian McCaffrey's the eighth guy on this list. And that goes back to the first question we had. You know, why are you guys so excited about seventeen firsts? And again, I didn't study him like I did draft prospects, but He's like the best player in college football, give or take. You know, I mean, he's a stud that catches the ball. He's going to be a great dynasty player. Like if Christian McCaffrey came out in this class, if he would have been eligible for this draft, would you have considered him a one, two, or one three?
0: Um, yeah, probably. He, he yeah. definitely would have been in that in that top tier. And, and so, guy. yeah, and so many of those other guys would have as well. So yeah, you're right. That that top tier, even from Fournette down to Mac- McCaffrey, is probably all. You know, not quite interchangeable, but, you know, just tons of talent and so much much promise. The depth of this class is is what's appealing as well. You know, I mentioned Freeman and Scarborough and and there's there's three really good tight ends. There's Deshaun Watson that didn't make my top 10, but we talked about him earlier. You know, if you have a mid second round pick, that's that's going to be you're going to get a really solid player next year. if, If things play out like we think they will.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it like the, this rookie drafts that we've just seen. You know, like Kenneth Dixon's going at one six or one seven, but he really belongs at like the fourteenth pick overall in a normal draft. You know, like if he was in next year's class, or you know, who who are someone like Jordan Howard is going in the early second round, where he's really, you know, he he, he wouldn't go in the top twenty probably next year.
0: Exactly, exactly. So um, that seventeen class is something to be. Uh, excited about and look forward to you know we're seeing some crazy trades involving those 17 picks so so acquire them if you can but um you know don't don't give up starters to do that I've, i've seen people doing that selling off some of their starters to load up on on 17 picks and that that can be a little dangerous even with uh how loaded this class looks Well, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back next week and we're going to start talking some dynasty startup strategy. So we'll be back next week.